When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Studios, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into the show. Matthew Collar here. Declan Goff is producing today and Alex Boone here as well. And here's how I want to begin, Alex, by telling you what is going to happen over the next two hours, aside from hot routes, which I'm very excited about. And so excited. I know. And Manny's going to stop in as well. But in the next two hours, Alex, Mm -hmm. you will be visited by three ghosts. Oh, yeah. The ghost of Viking playoff past. The ghost of the present and the ghost of playoff future. Are you prepared for these ghosts on the day after Christmas to visit you in the next hour or potentially two? Depending no. on uh, how fast we go. No, but I am so <laughs> excited for this because it is going to be so awesome. <laughs> All right. That, that's what I want to talk about today on the show is the things that have happened, the things that could happen, and then let's look forward a year in advance or so, or even several years in advance, because I'm still getting tweets after Kirk Cousins' performance the other night about his contract extension and where... <sighs> I know, right? Like here the, we go. The playoffs are almost here, okay? We can get to this in all the so months sad, that I it? don't have football to break down. Seriously. But, oh, what's that noise? It seems there could be something... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so sad. It must be the playoff of past. That, 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 yes, that that is the ghost of playoff past. <laughs> I had not heard these noises before. I could tell. Declan got them. Uh, that is definitely. Is that Blair Walsh off in the distance? Wow. And the kick is no good. Wide left. <laughs> Like a brick. No good. Not even close. Oh, God. Wow. You had to throw that in, Al Michaels. Um, Let's start, Alex, with the Ghosts of Playoff Past. This is a franchise that has one of the best records in the history of football in the regular season and zero Super Bowls, if you haven't heard that before. And, And pretty much every time they've ever gotten close, whether it was in the Super Bowl or deep in the playoffs, something has gone horrendously wrong from Blair Walsh to 41 donut to uh, Gary Anderson and on and on and on and on. And then, you know, the super bowl and Fran Tarkenton's interception against the, the Raiders. There was a bad call against Pittsburgh that cost them in that one. And just, you know, you know, the story, what should we have learned from these? If, if the ghost is going to visit us and tell us 
Because that's what happens in the movie, is you're supposed to see what happened to Scrooge in the past, and then he's supposed to get the wheels turning to learn. Right. Right? right? Yeah. What should we have learned from the grand history of disappointment in the Minnesota Vikings playoff past? That these are not just any regular games. When you go into the playoffs, you have officially separated yourself from the league, and you're saying, listen, we're heads and shoulders above the rest of you, but we're with you. And now everybody can do what they want. And there are some teams that you hear guys are super tight all the time. Like, dude, this is the playoffs. we got to be on our game. Then there's guys that are like, hey, man, this is the playoffs. We're just here to have fun and see what happens. And that, to me, is always the best outcome. Because when you go out there and you think too hard, right, and you start getting deeper in the playoffs and coaches start to get a little bit tighter and they're like, hey, man, listen, we can't, we can't really mess around this week. You know, all those things we used to do all week, all those silly games we used to play, we're not going to do that this week. Why? Why all of a sudden do we not do that? Well, because this game means a lot. Well, dude, they all mean a lot. They all mean a lot to us. We don't just go out there and mess around all the time. Like We go out there and we just have a routine. And I think when you break that routine, and coaches are the main offenders of this because they see you messing around too much, and then all of a sudden you get into the playoffs and you're like, now we really got to be serious. You're like, no, dude, it's just another game. It's just another opportunity for us to go out here and get better and not think too hard about what we're doing. Just stick to the main Focus, but instead they're like, "No, we can't do the face body game that we used to do in San Fran." And that 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 I swear that ruined that week for us because we weren't allowed to play face body. We used to stand while the defense would go. The offensive line would stand on the sideline, right? And we would play face body with Kaepernick because it was so intense to watch him throw a ball that you would stand ten yards away, directly ten yards away, right in front of each other. You couldn't move anything but your shoulders, so you could your your feet had to remain in place, and you could turn. I guess you could turn at the hip and throw a ball, and if it hit you in the face or like if you caught it in front of your face, it was two points. If you caught it in front of your body, it was one. Oh, okay, yeah. And Kaepernick would just throw these darts right at your face. And you would be like, and it turned into more like who would mess up and not catch it in time. And it was so fun. And it was like, we played, and then the old lineman would play for a while, and Cap would come back and play with us. And it was fun. And we had a good time. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, this is, we're horsing around too much. We're playing around too much. Yeah, dude, we're football players. So what we do, we play. Duh. And I, and I believe his fastball was about 95 miles an hour when he played uh, in baseball. So His football came a lot faster than that. But it, it was, that was what, that's what football players need. They need that to let go. But I think that people make too much of these games instead of, you know, yeah, we're supposed to make something of it. It's the playoffs. And you're right. How, how, why are we talking about something we can talk about a month from now? We're about to walk into the playoffs, and it's going to be so much better and so much more fun and real football. And you just have to roll with the punches. And, hey, it's just another game, guys. Let's not try and do too much. Nobody needs to step up and make a play. Just do your job. Do your role, and you'll come out on top. So tell me what it's like to game plan in the playoffs, especially if it's a team that you've played in the regular season, because more likely than not, that yeah. well, yeah, I shouldn't say more likely than not. Yeah. It is possible. Two out of the three outcomes, they've played that team before. They've lost twice to Green Bay. That's a possible outcome. They have lost to Seattle. That's a possible outcome. Is it different when you get to the postseason to game plan, and should it be? Yeah, absolutely. I think the fun thing about the postseason is that there is nothing held back. And I know that there are times that coaches are like, hey, listen, if we, if we have to use this, we will. We prefer not to. But when you get to the playoffs, it's like, listen, we're pulling out the Rolodex of everything. Those plays from camp that we never thought we were going to run, they're coming back. Like, everything has to be live because this is it. It's do or die. Like, if we're in the third quarter and we're down 21, we're going two-minute right away. We're going to try and bring ourselves back as fast as we can. This is the time where it's not like, well, 
We gave it the best shot. It's like, nah, man, we got to go to the back of the book now to find things. Let's let's keep it moving. Let's keep it rolling. We got to make adjustments at halftime. And it's it, you feel the coaches dial in more, and it's it's because it is. It's do or die, and there's a pressure around the building, and it starts from the top down. And I think that the good leaders on the team they mitigate that. They sit there and they they talk to their position coaches, and they let them relieve all the stress on the player that can handle it, and they're. All right, you good? You're good? Okay, good. Let's go practice now. Let's go have fun. Let's you know, let's forget about what we're doing and let's just go be us. And I think that as long as you have good leadership around you, that takes care of itself. Well, let me ask you one more question, and then I want to go through some of the heartbreaking moments because we have to, because it's the ghost <laughs> of playoff past. So we, we have to do that. Um, but when you get super close, and man, you were super close uh, to winning the Super Bowl, and it doesn't happen, like what happens to your brain? It hurts. It hurts so bad. I mean, it really does. It's, it hurts because you look at you look back on that stupid game, and it was so dumb. The way that we just we drive down the field, and nobody knows this, but with two minutes left, we had to take a timeout because somebody didn't know the play, and we had to kind of relay the word, and then we were late to getting this play started, and we were running power. And we could have won the game, but we had to call a timeout. And then we decided to throw the ball four times in a row because we're stupid. Mm, yeah. and I, we're on the five-yard line. What are you doing? Like that's, That, to me, is overthinking it. And that's why that loss hurt so much is because you took this team that was – we built our bones on being a gritty team. We were just going to kick you in the face until you couldn't take it or we, we couldn't take it anymore. And we were like, no, in that, in that one moment, let's go be flashy. And that's not who we were, and that pissed me off. I remember taking my helmet, and I threw it so hard against the wall, it almost shattered. I was so mad that we had done that to our own team because it's like you go in there with this game plan, and it's we're going to do this, and everyone believes in it, and we drive ourselves back, and we get there, and then it's like, no, let's just change exactly what we did to get here, and we're going to run these four silly plays. And it was like, dude, that, that you, you never get that game back, and it still pisses me off. It, it amazes me how many different Super Bowl outcomes we might have if teams had just run the ball. Uh, so Marshawn Lynch famously, but how about Atlanta when they're up 28 oh to 3 God. and Matt Ryan gets sacked or there was Hot a holding rust. or something. Uh, yeah, it's coming Can't on. Can't wait. We'll That's why dude. We'll tease. Uh but I think about this all the time where yeah. all you had to do was run the ball and you probably win and the same thing will go for Marshawn and a part of me does want Marshawn to get to the Super Bowl and have a situation where they can run him and then run him and just exercise that demon forever. But let's go back through some of these, Alex. Let's do it. 2015, clearly, you know, you're not here yet. Were you watching yes. the Vikings and Seahawks? What were yes. you thinking when that happened? As soon as he kicked that ball, I was like, oh, my God. Because I remember thinking that year, like, they were so stout. We had just played them in the first game. And it was like, and I've said this before on the show, after that game, we both teams went in different directions. We lost the yeah, rest of them, right. and you guys, like, took off. And I remember talking to guys when I signed here, and they were like, man, that game was a wake-up call for us. They're like, as soon as that game happened, we were like, dude, that's not about to happen again. I was like, it's funny, because we said the same thing, and... Man, we lost every one of them. Like, God, we were like, this is going to be great. But I remember watching him kick it, and it went so far left that I was like, man, it's like he almost tried to miss that on purpose. Like, it was so bad. And I remember everybody was like, dude, can't blame the kicker. It's a team loss. But in the moment, dude, you could have won that game, and that's, that, that's heartbreaking. I remember how heartbroken those guys were for that. And it's, it's hard because you think about such a great game, and it's outside, and it's so cold. And I remember they were telling me, that the guy, the captains were telling me, like, dude, Bud Grant came out in a short yeah, shirt. Yeah, he did, yep. And they were that's like, right. dude, the crowd went nuts. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine as a player seeing, like, an old-school coach 
come out in short sleeve shirt and like negative thirty degree weather. Like, all right, let's get this coin flip going, boys. Like that would just I'd be through the roof. <laughs> I'd be like ecstatic forever. There's a couple of crazy what ifs with that one. I mean, number yeah. one, what if US Bank Stadium had been built at the time? Then the Vikings aren't playing in that crazy cold weather, and you're probably talking about a very different looking game than needing a field goal at the very end. Um, but also, I was thinking when I was watching that one, because I was not covering this team yet. I was uh, covering a team that had not made the playoffs in, I think, maybe like 17 years at that point. Um, so I was just watching like everybody else. But Bridgewater was kind of different for me because I had wanted the Buffalo Bills to draft him. So I had watched him really closely in college. And during draft time, just like with Lamar Jackson, how it drove me crazy that people wanted him to be a receiver, Teddy's pro day wasn't good enough. Who cares, everybody? Uh, it's pro a pro day. day. Pro day. Give, give the man some gloves. Everything will be <laughs> fine. It's a pro day. No one should care about this. All the guy's done for his entire life is just win, overachieve, put up great numbers in Louisville, but his pro day. Yeah, that's what you the really need to worry about. you got to be kidding. Throw, throwing to people in shorts. Like, that's what you... I, there's been a lot of great pro days by quarterbacks who were god-awful. So, anyway, um, when Bridgewater throws the pass underneath to Kyle Rudolph and he takes it down the field and sets them up in field goal position, I was thinking, what can I tweet that would be the snarkiest thing of all time about Teddy Bridgewater's pro day? Like, he's just going to lead a game-winning drive here and and overcome the weather, overcome an Adrian Peterson fumble, which there's a stunner in a playoff game. And to have that go the wrong way... For this team, it was kind of weird, though, Alex, because it felt like, and you arrived the next year, it felt like, okay, you know what? This team was almost ready to win now, but probably not quite. They just need a few more players, that, and now Teddy needs to take one more step and things like that, and then this team in 2016 could go to the Super Bowl, and you always will wonder what would have happened had Teddy Bridgewater stayed healthy and a number of offensive linemen stayed healthy that year as well. I agree with you. I mean, just... I mean, you said it, and so many people have said it to me, especially guys I played with. Like, what, what, what happens if Teddy stays healthy that year? You're like, man, I don't know. <laughs> Is sky the limit? I mean, we had such an awesome team. It was just that such a devastating, tragic thing happened the one day like before the season started, and it was like, my God, this is incredibly not happening right now. And you think about where that team could have went, and the, the the team was so driven off that one game against Seattle. Like, I remember every day in the off season, they were constantly like. Because we would sit down and we would talk about like what we needed to do to win. They'd bring all the losses from the year before, or they'd bring up the games that you even won, and they'd be like, "This is what we did bad that week, and this is what we need to do better, and this is how we got to the playoffs, and this is how we got to get better." And everything was like hitting home, and guys were hitting it, and they're like, "Man, they're so right." You know, I, sh- I got to block better, and it's, it's a human reaction to take a playoff or to, to slow down a little bit. But there was like in the most critical times, they were going over when you need to be focused to paint it. And I was like, "Man, these guys are they're they're really on it. Like these guys care a lot." And then. You have something like that happen, and you just can't put into words how bad it takes the wind out of your sails as a team. And not only like one player, it was every single person in that building felt that wind just completely die. And almost overcame it, but you have to wonder how Teddy Bridgewater would have responded when the offensive line didn't play well as opposed to Sam Bradford. I mean, Bradford, I think, is a really, really good quarterback and got a bunch of flack for his contract and whether he ever lived up to it or not. But uh, I, I thought he was extremely talented and could have taken that team somewhere 
had the offensive line not suffered injuries to the tackles on the first yeah. and second game of the season, and then you have backup tackles the entire game, which, you know, good luck with playing with backup offensive linemen for a full season, and and yet you still go 5-0, and and then it, you know, it kind of falls apart from there. But let's, uh, let's also talk about here 2017 and what happened in Philadelphia because the, the ghosts of Vikings playoff past are visiting us here. Uh, <laughs> I, I was in Philadelphia, and the Vikings... <laughs> he loves it. He does. Uh, and uh, so Case Keenum leads a scoring drive to start out the game. Like, right. the opening script goes down the field, hits Kyle Rudolph for a touchdown, and we're all thinking, wow, I don't even have to book a hotel where the Super Bowl is because is it's going to be like eight minutes from my house. And then everything falls apart from there. Now, what I think is fascinating about that NFC Championship game, Alex, is just the reflections off of that from this team, where you can still feel that season and that game now, that every decision that the team has made, including, and of course, especially signing Kirk Cousins, but also um, getting John Filippo here, and that didn't work out. And then re-signing almost everybody from that team, making sure you brought back all the same guys last year and then this year again. The, the very few changes, really, the 2017 season, um, you look at the roster, it's almost the same outside of a few names as it is right now. And I think that's because the Vikings have a belief that they can repeat that. And I don't know how many times you see this where one game has such a huge impact on how a franchise made its decisions going forward. I agree with you. And I think that when you look at this, there's, you know, they're saying they, that team was so – the way Casey had them playing, the way that Pat Shermer had that offense rolling, they were – I mean, dude, they were – it was something. But – you talk about what they've done from since that game and, and everything. You're right. They, how do we not have that happen again? And, and you keep core guys around because that's how you build a team and that's how you build a franchise. And sometimes you have to go through those rough years. You look at like the Bills right now. They're to me, they're going through those rough years of like, hey, listen, we're getting a core group of guys together and we really want them to kind of mold this franchise into something that we want. And then all of a sudden, you say, well. We could add a few pieces, but we got to keep these core guys. And you look at the Minnesota Vikings. They've kept so many guys together for so long. because, And most of the guys are on defense. And they're like, listen, we got to keep this core guys together because great defenses don't come around. And if they do, it's because the certain guys in, in certain spots, like the Kendricks, right? you got to have your middle linebacker that's just everybody looks up to them. And then you have your defensive linemen that are just stout, and they've been there, and your cornerbacks and your safeties. And, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you look on the offensive side and you're like, well, there's really not a lot of continuity over here. I mean, you look at the offensive line, it's always up and down, and that's one of my biggest echoes to every team. They're like, how do we get better? Keep your offensive line together. Get, go out and get somebody in free agency. You have to make moves, and because everything always comes back to the O-line. Well, we couldn't run the ball that week. You don't say. Well, we got sacked too many times. No kidding. You don't say. <laughs> Seems like the same problems keep coming back to you. Like, it's never this defense. It's always this old line. Well, what's the problem? The continuity. And you look at these teams and they're like, well, we have to keep this core guys together because these are the guys that make this train move. And that's what's important to us. This train has to always be moving in a direction that the team knows. And that's when you get young guys to come aboard. Like they're doing right now. There's some young guys on this team that are going to have some incredible careers. And you look at one of them, Brian O'Neill. I think this kid is really special. And I think he's one of these guys that they love. And they're trying to get him 
focused in and honed in, and they're trying to get this offensive line to really be molded around him, in my opinion. I think that the days of them trying to get it more around Riley are over, and now they're like, hey, listen, let's, we need Brian to grab this O-line and really take off with it. It's, and it's because, at the end of the day, the O-line is going to get you where you need to go. Yeah, and that's what happened in that NFC Championship game is not only did the defense struggle, but that Vikings offense that had ranked 10th in scoring and 11th in yards that season and was explosive and good, uh, they could not move the ball because, well, there were some injuries too. Uh, Nick Easton got hurt, and then the Vikings made the mistake of trying to move uh, Mike Remmers over to left guard, I believe, uh. and, and that just did not go their way. And uh, they end up getting dominated by a very, very good Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. So I'll always wonder, Alex, and uh, you know, we'll get to the playoff future at some point here. Uh, is it but, different? Is but, it different ghosts? No, same ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> same uh, I think. It, I mean, it is different ghosts in the movie, but same ghost sound Love when they it. arrive. You can envision, you know, somebody else if you like. Uh, but I'll always wonder if Case Keenum had won that game, who's the offensive coordinator next year? Who's the quarterback next year? I mean, how many things are different if they end up going to the Super Bowl? Even if they lose, how would the decisions have been made? Would they have invested the same way? Would they have made trades and moved on from guys quicker uh, that that are part of the core but were fading? You know, someone like Xavier Rhodes, where you could see it. Uh, last year that it was not going to be the same this year. I wonder if they're a little more harsh if they had gotten to the Super Bowl or if they had won the Super Bowl that they would have been able to say, thanks for the memories but we'll see you later. Uh, And I also wonder how the feeling would be and this just speaks to how close you get a lot of times and the small things that make the difference, but what the feeling would be about Mike Zimmer and about Rick Spielman in the front office. Uh, Every time the Vikings get down by three points, my Twitter mention fill up with, this is why we have to fire Zim. This is why Spielman's got to go. And we always focus on Spielman. The front office is a big thing. There's a lot of people working on it, and they've built an incredibly good roster that is seventh this year in points four and sixth in points against. And and people want everybody fired because you lost to the Packers. And I get that. And it was really ugly. And you deserve to say things like that. But whoa, whoa, whoa. And if, if Zimmer had gotten them to the Super Bowl, I don't even think we have any type of conversation like that. I don't think there's any seat that's hot, even if everything else played out differently. But what is, what's the biggest one for you that you wonder if they had won that year, how things would be different at this moment? The quarterback is for sure. My, Definitely my big, the quarterback. My, I think everybody wants to know that. What would have happened? And my, not only like had they won the Super Bowl, had they gotten to the Super Bowl. Do you keep Case? Because it's like, man, this guy kind of took you guys to the Super Bowl. You're really just going to let right. him walk away like that? They, like, yeah. The way that they lost, it was kind of like, uh, all right, it was a mutual parting, and everyone was like, all right, get it. Had he get you to the big dance, it's a, that's a different story because then it's like, man. Do you just let go of your quarterback? Like, what? No, you can't do that. Like, that's the guy that got you there. After all these years, he got you there. And that, to me, is the biggest question. And, and because when we talked about it, you really kind of opened my eyes the other day to when we were talking about the difference between Casey and the difference between Kirk, and you're like, man, oh, what if? And it was like, man, what if? Because Casey, I mean, he went there, and he didn't play. I mean, he didn't play the season that he wanted, but he still put up numbers. And it's like, man, that's with the Denver team. Imagine what he would have done with this team. 
You know, that was with the Vance Joseph team, the team that was not really that good, that well-disciplined. Imagine what he would have done in a second year of the same offense. I mean, it's just there's so many question marks, and, and you can play that game, and it's, sometimes it's hard on a player because it's like, man, you get sad because you're like, man, what if? Yeah, sometimes yeah, you're yeah. in that scenario, and you're like... Super fun for us, not always for you. No, because you're like, man, what... What if? I know, right? Like, way to bring it up. Now we're on my head's rolling. I'm rolling through a million things. Now I'm wondering about half the free agents that we got rid of. Like, what if? I know. God, way to go. Um, but, you know, the thing about mentioning Zimmer and Spielman, you know, if you look at Philly since they won it. And, you know, I think that that's like the best example. Sometimes the, their players come out and they're like, you know, we still, we still haven't gotten over the Super Bowl victory. You're like, dude, listen, man, you got to let it go. Like, you mm-hmm. won it like six years ago. <laughs> Sometimes when you win it, you're right. The, it just, the place blows up because they're just so excited and you don't get back on track for a while. And, and you look at that team and the way that they won games that year was incredible. And they haven't really done that since because they haven't gotten over the Super Bowl hangover. So it, that's another thing. Had they won it, where would they be now? Would they still be like? Would it be like the Patriots, where they created a dynasty, where they just keep going and going and going, or is it like Philly, where they get in one year and then it's like, well, we're good for the next five, boys? Yeah, See I think ya. it would have been like that, or like Atlanta. I mean, history kind of tells us that that when you get your shot, if you don't have Tom Brady or Peyton Manning as your quarterback, you better take it. Even a yeah. team like New Orleans, they haven't been back since they yeah, went, and true. yet they have a top three quarterback in the NFL at any point. Uh, during Drew Brees' career, and still have not been able to get over that hump. So my guess is that had they gone, it would have been a very similar result the next year. One thing that comes to mind all the time for me is how different would the Vikings' record be if Case Keenum was their quarterback for the last two years? I don't think very different because it's been very rare that we've been able to talk about, oh, well, they beat this team, and that was the game where you know Kirk did that and, and, and Case wouldn't have been able to do it. And really, it's this playoffs, which will be our ghost of playoff yeah. present, that we will find the difference. Uh, one more before we take a break on the ghost of playoff past. And um, maybe. Whoa, there we go. There oh. um, you, you are a massive football fan, not just a former football player. 2009 or 1998, which one were you watching as a kid? Or I guess it would have been in uh, like early 20s or whatever. And and which one was more crushing for the Vikings for for you to watch as someone who wouldn't have been a Vikings fan at the time, but just a, a lover of football? Two thousand nine, I was watching. That was when they went down to the Superdome. Yep, correct. Yeah, I remember that, and I remember the. I uh, did. I remember all that, and. <laughs> Believe me, I played that defensive coordinator. We had the same problems, but we took out our problems out on his defense, so we <laughs> we didn't have those problems anymore. But yeah, I remember watching that game. That was a game, and that was the game. If I'm not mistaken, did Brett Favre threw it across his body, right? He was uh, like, yeah. Favre sprints to his right, throws yeah. back across the middle, no, and never. he's intercepted. Dude, Horrible. I remember he threw that, and the first thing I said to my friend was Cardinal sin, dude. Never throw the ball across the field. That's the first thing I remember the coach saying in high school to the quarterback. And, dude, what a – I mean, to go from Green Bay and to win the Super Bowl there and then to come to the rival team and take them into the playoffs and possibly into the Super Bowl, like, dude, that would have been legendary status. Did awesome. you love Favre? I loved him. Loved everything about him. Heard great stories about him. Heard he was one of the greatest dudes. They were like, Booney, you and Kevin Gogan were meant to hang out with Brett Favre. And I was like, <laughs> really? Kevin Gogan? That's who you're going to compare me to? They were like, yeah, Kevin Gogan. I was like, wow, I don't know if that's good or bad. John Madden had an unhealthy obsession with Kevin Gogan, I remember. (laughs) I I like to watch old games back, and I was watching the 49ers-Packers game where Steve Young threw it to Terrell Owens, and Owens made the great catch in the playoffs there. And 
I cannot tell you the number of times that John Madden brought up Kevin Gogan. He would call him big old Kevin Gogan every time. And I don't yeah. even know if Kevin Gogan was old at that point. He just was, oh, there's big old Kevin Gogan. You know, so anyway, um, right. that's for anyone who wants to watch that game over again and catch that. Uh, but uh, I am, I'm with you in that uh, Favre was more crushing to me, maybe because of the age I was when I was watching it, or just yeah. because it was the culmination of a career. With Randy Moss, yeah, he wasn't going to make it, but it was just the start of his career, and you felt like, well, Randy Moss is going to take another offense somewhere, right? I mean, this right. Vikings team is great. They'll be back. And they were back to the NFC Championship game. It just imploded because of the ghosts. Um, but uh, with Favre, you knew that was that. I mean, yeah. th- th- there was no coming back and doing that again. I- I'm sure around here they thought there was, but to me it seemed like, wow, that was the last shot for Favre to get back. So uh, those have been your ghosts of playoff past, at least from our perspective. Now, if you're from a, a different era, you grew up in the 70s and uh, 60s, I'm sure you'd have some more crazy ghosts of Christmas uh, or playoff way past, I should yeah. say. Yeah. Way you, crazier than we've yeah. talked about. You are carrying They're really scars. pissed. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, maybe another ghost will visit us when we return. You're listening to uh, post-Christmas edition Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on Purple Day. Another ghost that is visiting us. If you want to hit it again. Uh, who is it alex it's the ghost of playoff future Ah. so here's what i want to do i want to look into the future at next year in the playoffs and beyond that in the playoffs potentially for the vikings and then the ghost of playoff present. Now, I haven't talked to this ghost just yet, but I'm guessing that they'll want to discuss this year's postseason. Okay, Okay. but let's talk about next year. If you're looking in your crystal ball, Mm -hmm. do you see the Vikings in the playoffs next year? Uh, I want to say I do. And I say that because when you look at these teams, there are just teams that are built to have leadership to get you to the playoffs. They understand what it takes mentally, physically, what it takes in the meeting room. You look at the veterans on this team. You know, they absolutely could. Now, what do you need to do? Obviously, you're going to need to get some pieces to help you get there because you're looking, look at this year, for example. Like, the records have to be so good just to get you in, as they should every year, but there's some years where sometimes you can roll in at 9-7, and seven, and there are some years where you can roll in at 10-6. and six. This year it's like, hey, listen, man, you guys just got in, and this is how it's going to go, and sometimes the AFC is different than the NFC, and the NFC is different than the AFC, but you're going to have to get some solid pieces, I think, in my opinion, for especially the offensive line, the back end, you're going to have to be able to cover. You know, I'm not saying you can't do it this year or that, but Going forward, when you're looking at these guys, you're going to have to make some serious decisions, and that's going to fall on Spielman, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. So I have plenty of questions for the ghost of playoff future here to know whether we will actually be talking about playoff football next season. This team right now has a ton of very talented players who will be on the team next year. That starts with Delvin Cook, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, Daniel Hunter is going to be here. The safeties are going to be here. Uh, Mike Hughes is going to take a step forward. Like you mentioned, Brian O'Neill, a big bright spot from this year, is yep. going to still be here next year, and maybe the left tackle, maybe not. I'm not sure. Ooh. Uh, oh, takes. Uh, and, you know, obviously Kirk Cousins is going to be here, too. I saw a pro football talk tweet, like, do you want Kirk traded? You cannot trade Kirk Cousins. You can't. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Florida. it goes He's along. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can't. If I'm not mistaken, 
that they would have to still take on his salary. It would still be $31 million cap hit if they traded him away. So that really wouldn't work. Kirk Cousins is going to be your quarterback next year. What I want to know is how much of this year was them just building this system around Cousins that worked in part because of who they played. So how much the schedule impacted them, it's pretty unlikely that you would get a very easy schedule two years in a row. And this year, as I've mentioned before, has been one of the easiest schedules in Viking history. Not just in the league this year, but ever. And as they go into the playoffs of the teams that are in the postseason, they will have face the easiest schedule by win percentage of anyone in the playoffs. So that changes the formula a little bit. You have to be better next year than this year, more likely than not, if you want to reach the same plateau. And I also need to know what's going to happen with the Bears. Because is Phillip Rivers the Bears quarterback? Is Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback? Is Mitch Trubisky the quarterback? That's going to make a difference for how I feel about the division and its strength. And I do think that Detroit will win more than three games next year, uh, even though I don't have a ton of confidence in Matt Patricia. So the road is going to be a little bit harder. And every year we see, Alex, that there's a team that was great the year before and everyone goes, oh yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt about it. And then they end up falling out of the postseason. And that's what I wonder. Like, How do you avoid being next year's Rams, for example? Agreed. You know what really pisses me off, though, is like when you look at a team like this and you're like, man, this team is they're, they're stacked. And then they go out and they play a team like the Packers twice. They should have won both games easily. Like There should be no question about how they won those games. But they did it. And so it pisses you off because you're like, here's a really good team that just really doesn't want to win, I guess. I don't understand it. I don't get why they're not winning these games that they should, like this last game. They got three turnovers. They gave you one of them at the 10-yard line. You couldn't put in a touchdown. Like, you, you, you guys are driving me nuts because <laughs> I really want to believe in you, and I really want to be like, these dudes got it. These dudes know what they're doing. They can run the ball. They can throw off of it. They just have it. But then you go out and you play these games, i.e., Denver, first half. What the hell? You're like, dude, you can't, you can't Jekyll and hide us this much. It can't happen. When you're playing the bad teams, yeah, you guys look good. And sometimes you don't look good. Sometimes you just look okay. The Denver game. But then when you play the somewhat good teams to really good teams, you, you keep having these problems where you just look a little unorganized and you look like you're rushing a little bit too much and you don't look like yourself and you look flustered and you look like you've let the game get inside your brain before anybody else hit you, got to you, or affected you. And... That's what drives me the most nuts, especially as a player, because you would see it coming on in the locker room before the game, and you'd be like, here we go. Here we, oh, it, oh, oh, yeah, no, he's gone. No way. <laughs> not, not happening today, guys. Sorry. Just, just We'll figure it out. So and that, it drives you nuts. To that point, is this team different enough next year that this won't happen again? Because what has defined the Kirk Cousins era so far, and he has an opportunity to change that, um, that will be the ghost of playoff present that we talk about in a few minutes. But so far, it's been defined by you're playing someone good and whoop, you didn't show up. And right. it didn't work out and you went home with a loss. And then we all talked about the Monday night record and the primetime record and the record versus winning teams again and again and again and again. And just as a fan of numbers, I would assume eventually one of these things would click where you would just, by pure randomness, get a, a good game and, and win one. But the two best wins in the Kirk Cousins era are both against a Philadelphia team that was mediocre last year and is mediocre this year and is going to you know, back its way into the postseason. So how does that change next year? I, I think about this, Alex. 
How can you have a better team than they have right now when you have two good tight ends, two good wide receivers, a Pro Bowl running back, a capable offensive line that does get murdered against the Packers, <laughs> and, and, and Zadarius Smith, who looked like Bruce Smith the other night. Yes. But uh, you have a defensive line with... Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter and Linval Joseph. It's pretty hard to get better than that. And two safeties that should both be in the Pro Bowl, even though it's just one of them. But the other guy has six interceptions. Your worst safety has six picks this year and is one of the tops in the NFL. And you have a coach who has dialed up things almost perfectly until the other night, all season long, as he's getting high marks. And a defensive head coach that has found a way, despite some drop-offs in players' performance, to still be sixth in the NFL in points against and we're supposed to expect it to be better than this circumstance next year. I mean, almost no matter what they do in the offseason, short of signing, I don't know, Julio Jones or something, it just is is hard for me to see a better setup and a better circumstance next year than it is this year, even though they could still make the playoffs. I agree. And I think that how what happens not only in the playoffs, but even this week with Chicago. I mean, this game now all of a sudden is like, you know, I know he's not going to play probably, but if he had played, like it would have been a game where it was like, man, is he going to win it? I mean, is this is this going to happen? And then you look up in the playoffs and you're like, are they going to be a one-and-done team? Because if they are, what's going to be different next year? You're right. Now that you think about it, you're like, well, the one piece that you need to help grow and mold, if he's the one guy that can't get over the hump, and I'm sorry, but it's 0-9 now. Like, Yeah. You had nine chances, dude. I agree that not doesn't always fall on your record, but within nine chances, the nine law of averages, the law of averages says you should have won one by now. And and <clears throat> if you can't do it with this team, you just said it. If you can't do it with this team, what's going to be different next year? What makes next year any better? I mean, what maybe the Packers have a a rebuilding year? Maybe the Niners aren't as good. You're right, but somebody else will take that slot. Some other team, Tampa Bay, is going to take a step yep. forward. Somebody Arizona will be better. Right? Like, there's always when teams go down, a team steps up. It, it, it can't be everybody just takes a step back and then your one team goes ahead. Oh, hey, no, no, no. If one goes down, one goes up. Like people are moving always. So I think that the ghost of Christmas future is yet to be played. Whoever they play week one, if they lose, I, I, I'm I, sorry, you're right. This team is pretty stacked from top to bottom. Like, how could you not win a game, even if you were on the road? like You have enough veterans' presence, and you've played in enough games, Kirk, that you should know what opposing locker rooms look like. You should know what it's like to play on the road. This shouldn't be anything new. And you've, you're getting paid to be able to keep calm and be cool and do this. So there's so many question marks, and it's really like, man, uh, and everyone's like, I hope they don't have to go to the Saints, or I hope they don't have to go to here. It's like, dude, it's the playoffs. You're going to have to go wherever because you're going to be the sixth seed, and that's what you don't want to be doing. So you better hope that they know what they're doing when they get there because that, to me, is going to be the question. Can they win on the road? Can Kirk get over this hump of, I can't win the big game? Because to me right now, the big game is the first playoff game. I'm not even talking about Super Bowl. Get, to the, get through the first playoff game, and then we'll talk about the rest of it. So when the ghost of playoff future visits us from several years from now and shows us our fate, uh, is the ghost showing us... Yeah, is, the, is, the, is the ghost showing us two years from now Kirk Cousins as the quarterback... I want to say yes, I do, because I think that this offense is so perfect for him. And I think that he is a great manager of where the ball gets placed. You know, Dalvin helps him out so much, but he, it's him and Dalvin, and that scares me. It scares me because if you can't do it alone, you can't do it. 
you're eventually this is what we're running into. Like I remember in the beginning of the season, everyone was like, Dalvin's great. And you're like, okay, well, eventually you're not going to have Dalvin. Don't you say that. It's football. <laughs> we all say it. We're not idiots. We all know we're going to get hurt. Eventually you're going to miss a week or two. When you don't have him, if there's glaring issues, then all of a sudden teams just pick that apart. And they're like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Instead of saying, man, this team is really solid from top to bottom. Look, they don't even have their best player, and they're still out here kicking people in the face. Like, God, when you don't have one player in your offense – Get seven first downs? You serious? No. The ghost of Christmas future does not show me Kirk Cousins up there. He shows me what is going on. Dude, you should be getting this done. <laughs> this team is still stacked without Dalvin. You should be getting wins, and you're not. That is concerning to me. And the ghost of Christmas future is like, man, listen, let's all pull back the reins a little bit before we figure out what we're doing. Well, And, and I think that the what the ghost of Christmas future could show us is two possible outcomes, and they might depend, and this sort of connects to the ghost of playoff past, that it might really depend on what happens in the first round of the playoffs. If Cousins has a similar performance in the playoffs, no matter where they go, to the one that he had the other night at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Packers, then the ghost of playoff future might be showing us to a... Or he might be showing us Ooh. some other, you know, some other quarterback, right? No, don't go young. Don't yeah, go young. Well, no, I, I no, mean, don't. I don't. I don't know because you're always looking for that quarterback on his rookie contract, like Pat Mahomes still is now, as your maybe best window to win, like Seattle did when Russell Wilson was young. So maybe you're looking at that if they don't get a playoff win here, and the Vikings say, you know what, maybe we need to be the team that trades up. In the, in the draft, because I, I don't generally like making decisions, and this goes to the John D. Filippo hiring and, and such, I don't generally like making decisions based on one thing that happened, based on one game, because weird stuff happens in one right. game. And sometimes if you simulated that NFC Championship game with the uh, Eagles a million times, you know half of those probably go to the Vikings, but that right. day you completely yes. melted in a lot of different areas. And, and taking decisions off that is just fundamentally not something to do. But football teams will always be football teams, and they will do stuff like that. If Kirk goes 12 for 28 with uh, you know 110 yards or something against New Orleans, and you lose 44 to 10, I'm not sure the ghost of playoff future is showing us Kirk Cousins as quarterback for two years from now. I'm not so sure he's not really trying to push him out of the building. I mean, it's... If that happens, there's going to be so many more question marks circling that. It's going to be, well, this has been the narrative the whole time. We were just kind of fooled by a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And then it's going to rely back on Spielman. Like, hey, listen, we're not really getting our dues worth here. Is he going to be the next guy getting the quarterback in here? Because we've been doing this for a while, and we haven't found one yet. And it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. And that's why, you know, getting this why it's so interesting this year, because you get to the playoffs, and... This was a, a year that you really needed to be good, and you were. You were great. You did a great job. But it's this last game that everyone's like, wow, this is, uh, this is a little glaring to us. You know? And then you talk about going to have to play in New Orleans, a really tough team in a really tough place. And it's like people, the, the fact that people are questioning whether Kirk Cousins can win this big game, not only because it's on the road, but just because it's a big game. Like, that scares me. And as a player, when you used to hear things about that about you guys, it would, it would kind of ring in the back of your head like, yeah, maybe it scares me too. Hmm. hmm. Oh boy. You know, and it's because it's true. And you're like, well, if it were 0 and 4, I wouldn't be so upset. But 0 and 9, oh boy, here we go. You know, <laughs> that's it's just because you're right. The law of averages says eventually you should have won one, dude, and you didn't. And so, I don't think that if he if he went if he doesn't win this playoff game, absolutely not. I don't think the ghost of 
Christmas future shows us Kirk Cousins leading the reins. But also, who else is not around to do it? Because there's going to be other changes yeah. that happen on that team. And that's going to be like, it's, it's going to be a blow up of the building, I feel like, because you were so stacked and you had all the resources to get there and you had everything. And look, look now, narrative's kind of being spun. Pay attention. George Edwards might be out. Just remember you heard that now. Like Things are starting to happen behind the scenes that people are like, listen, we're going to mitigate over here. We're going to delegate this over there. We're going to drop this over here. Kirk won't be the only one to be upset if they don't win this first week. There's going to be a lot of guys that have to turn around and go, well, that's going to suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think of the Wilfs as being very similar to fans in the way that they react to things. And As they should. Ju- judging the other night, I wrote an article today, which is sort of ghost of Christmas present, uh, about the easiest road for the Vikings to the NFC Championship. And all the responses are, bleep you, we're not going anywhere, <laughs> Everyone sucks, and it's like, okay, okay, all right. They're in the playoffs. And, I need and a Twitter. And I need a yeah, Twitter I know you so really bad. do. I think you would actually be, be perfect great. for it because you would find all of this really funny. The They're responses, not bleeping, yeah, just, yeah, but that, I mean, that is exactly the the sort of pent up anger toward yeah. this team not achieving last year and showing in all the big games that we spend here all week long going, okay, this is their shot. They can show you. And, you know, they beat Dallas and we felt great. And then we learn, and every game that we've built up otherwise against Chicago, against Green Bay twice, against Kansas City has always come away with disappointment. And the fans are starting to, uh, I think, have this frustration with it built up as opposed to hey well you know we lost that one but we're still a pretty good team when the expectation bar is so high then that's where people can get blown up because i think that the ownership starts to feel the same way as the fans do of like well you know we're we were good enough and yet we can't get over the top and that's when you see good teams making big changes sometimes for better sometimes for worse Agreed. And I think that when you talk about people setting the bar so high, that's always such a good thing. You always want the bar to be set high. You don't want to be like the Jaguars where people are like, well, if they just go 8-8, eight eight, we're good. You don't want to be the Browns where they're like, hey, just win a couple games and the city will love you. I mean, that is not the expectation a pro should want. Like, oh, guys, we just got to come out here like 3-14 and 14 or something and we're good. Like, they'll, they will, they'll love us. You want to go to the playoffs. You want to continue on. You want to keep marching on. So when you don't hit those markers, dude, it's a bad year. Like, you're, you all need to turn around and have a deep reflection. And as a player that played for a lot of years, there's been a lot of reflections that sometimes hurt you, but you grow from them. And that, to me, is like, listen... If you guys want to take this step forward, to me, you 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 got to buy all in. There's something about the way these games are played, these big games. They just don't feel right from the first snap. It seems like maybe they're off like by a tick. They maybe seem like they're just kind of late on everything, or they're like surprised, like oh my god, the game started. <laughs> it, you're like, dude, sure, what? yeah, it, it is. And it's like if you really want to go to the Super Bowl this year, because you have a phenomenal team to do it. You could absolutely go out, win on the road and do this. And, and yeah, the, the, you know, Beast Mode's back, and going to Seattle might be your best chance, but I'm not so sure, but we'll talk about that later. But if you That's really a different ghost. Get, yeah, that's a different ghost. <laughs> if you really want to get to where you're going, all you got to do is just show up and execute. All these games come down to is execution. The, look at Kansas City, Matt Moore. They just eventually beat on him. They just beat on him and beat on him and hope that something would happen. And they... And they Their call got answered. So to me, it's like, man, this team could really go deep in the playoffs. And everybody's upset because of what just happened and how that game went down, and they're pissed at Kirk, and they're pissed at everyone. They should. You're fans. You should be pissed. But 
there's absolutely every chance right now to grab the reins and go, hey, listen, we're going to learn from this and we're going to move on and we're not going to do that again. And, and they could go deep. It could happen. All right. Um, another ghost will visit us before the end of the show. Um, but next we have hot breaths coming up. Let me ask you one more, just one more thing before the break. Um, if you're looking into the crystal ball of the ghost of playoff future, mm-hmm. uh, what NFC team would you be like, what? Oh, oh, what? They're deep in the playoffs in 2020? Huh? How did that happen? NFC team? Yeah, NFC team. Uh, I think that if you're looking at an NFC team, you could look at maybe the Bears because I think that Mitch is gone for sure. Yeah. You know, I think they get a new quarterback. They're going to get some weapons for him. They have a pretty stout O line. Their defense is pretty stout. I mean, they're a young team, but they're growing. I think, um, you know, another NFC team that kind of is hitting their stride late is Arizona. I think the teams are kind of overlooking them because their defense is suspect at best. But a few pieces you add to that, and you have a good team. You know, I mean, Kyler Murray is showing that he can get it done and and play pretty well, too. And and not only that, but Brett Hundley. Like, who would have thought Brett Hundley comes in and beats Seattle? In Seattle, I was like, no way am I going to Yeah, that's stunning. I was like, oh, my God. He's not with the Packers anymore? He's with the Cardinals? I was like, good for this guy. But, you know. You, look at you should have watched the preseason game against the Vikings closer because you would have uh, seen a whole face full of Brett Hundley. Dude, I, I, preseason always begets me, believe me. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't blame you for that. All right, another ghost will visit us before the end of the show at 4 o'clock, and then I'm going to stick around with Judd and uh, co-host Mackie and Judd with Rami. But before that happens, lots of fun questions from things going on around the league. Manny Hill's going to come in, too. We hey. will have hot routes for you when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, you're listening to Purple Daily on Scrum. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Collar has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 588! 397! All right, it is that time for Hot Routes. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Manny Hill in studio. Manny! With, what up, uh, Boone? Declan. to hear from you, Manny. To quote Frank Gore, what up, Boone? Uh, what up? And uh, Declan, of course, produced. And when he's not playing ghost sounds in the background, this he is will a great be bed. answering. This is a great bed. Oh, this bed. is the, the best. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, best my favorite. the Raiders are the all-timer. Yeah. But I feel like they have to retire it because they're going to Vegas. It's just not the same. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have that same Oakland Raiders. Right. It doesn't no one, have that same feel. No one feels haunted by no. Vegas. Right. It's, it's glitzy. It's glam. It's not... The Raiders. The I, glitz I'm, and glam I'm actually of the Las really, Vegas Raiders. I'm sad about it, honestly. I, I yeah. want them to stay in Oakland. Uh, they should stay. It's crap. I know. Yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of that. All right, let's get it started. So we take things that are going on around the league and spin them and make them mostly about ourselves. Uh, all right, so our first hot route here. Matt Ryan said he thinks that the Falcons can carry over their recent success from this year to next year. And they have better wins than the Vikings do this year by a wide margin, yeah. which is sort of, that's football for They're you. Beating a team with a winning record. But let's say they Ooh. don't. Let's say they don't go anywhere. It's either a first round out or they don't make the playoffs at all. 
Um, Manny, you start. What's Matt Ryan's legacy if he does not win another playoff game? I think it's a really complicated one. I think he sort of falls into that same sort of really good quarterback for a long time, but maybe not an all-time great because he doesn't have a ton of playoff success. He does have the one Super Bowl appearance, but they blew a 28-3 to lead, and I think that's a heavy stain. I think he kind of falls into that same sort of category that we talk about with maybe like a Phillip Rivers. Yes, Where they had a lot of success, good numbers. He's probably going to have every, if he doesn't already, have every Falcons passing career, passing record there is to think of. Sure, Bobby Hebert's got a few in there still. (laughs) but uh... Chris Chandler, you know. (laughs) Um, And it's kind of the same thing with Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, right? He's going to have every career passing record in Chargers history, but you're going to look at it and say, Man, if they just would have found a way to do a little bit more winning in the postseason, how would we feel about those guys? So I, I think it's gonna we're gonna look at Matt Ryan as, you know, unless he can get to another Super Bowl and win it, maybe we're gonna look back at yeah, Matt Ryan is a pretty good quarterback, but not in that same category as some of the other all time greats. Alex, you played him in a playoff game, maybe more, right? At least one. Yeah. Uh, one. What do you think, Matt Ryan, his career? I think I think Manny's definitely right. He's going to be considered. I mean, you. He's definitely not a one tier, right? That would be elite. Like those are like you're all elite quarterbacks. Next would be great, and then there's good, and I think he's somewhere between good and great. But I think more importantly, people are going to be like, man, that dude stole a lot of money. Like if you're <laughs> saying that he doesn't win another playoff game or get to the playoffs, people are going to be like, dude, that dude stole a lot of money for nothing because. Yeah, he got you to the Super Bowl, but he couldn't keep a lead, and that falls on the coaches, I agree, but sometimes on the quarterback, too, to, to kind of get you out of those situations. So I, I think that between the two and three tiers, I mean, he's he's got great numbers, but when you look at a quarterback, you're always like, what did he do in the postseason? What did he? Where did he take his team to next? What did he do with that team? And it's like, you guys were winning by like 25 points, and you lost <laughs> mm-hmm. in a quarter and a half? What the hell was your quarter? Oh, my God. It was Matt Ryan. What? So, I, you know, between the two and three tier. Declan? Yeah, I, I mean, I love Matty Ice. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, when I was in high school and stuff growing up. I even had a Matt Ryan jersey my brother gave me, I think, when I was like in 10th or 11th grade. Um, he, is, he is a very complicated legacy because of the Super Bowl, epic Super Bowl loss. If he wins that Super Bowl, I think it's a completely different narrative about him. I think I like to loop him together with Flacco a little bit because they both obviously came from the same draft class, and Flacco was obviously able to get that Super Bowl on that insane run he went on. But I I think he's got this humongous stain on his career from the 25-point collapse, and he won't be able to erase that unless he wins a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this a little bit with our ghosts of uh, playoff future. (laughs) About how uh, I, I don't look at one game as being the way that I determine things. And even though I do want to give Eli Manning credit for beating Tom Brady twice, uh, Matt Ryan, in my mind, is underappreciated for what he's done in his career because of that. Uh, I mean, that year he had 117 quarterback rating. (laughs) MVP of the league. and and even How about overall in the playoffs? You're asking Matt Ryan to do more. 135.3 quarterback rating, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, 10.3 yards per attempt in the playoffs in 2016. And we say, yeah, well, you know, you blew a lead. I I believe there's this thing called a 
defense. <laughs> D- yeah. Is that a hard D yeah. fence? Soft uh, D. You know, people you have a D and then a picture of a fence that they hold up. Defensive-minded head coach, supposed too. Supposed to yeah. stop Seriously. a 25-point lead. You got yeah. up by 25, and your defense botched it. And that's how we're going to define a guy's legacy. I don't know. I look at the closer things, you know, like his, his QBR and his PFF grades and his numbers that he's put up and everything else, and even the win-loss record, 108-80 and 80 mm-hmm. in his career, it's very hard for me to say that he isn't one of the guys who should be in that first tier. It's just that he's missing the one big thing the big in thing. having the Super Bowl. But he's that, going well, how to Canton, though. How about this, though? Oh, yeah. Easily, he's going, easily yeah. to Canton, yeah. Yeah, definitely going to Canton. Yeah. But how about this? How about Julio Jones? Remember that ball against the Eagles that oh, went right through his hands? I know. To win a, the it's game? It's a great play. But, it's a clutch everything, play. And that's just, everything rides or dies with the quarterback, dude. That's how it goes. That's how this game is played. Yep. yep. So I think in a way it's unfair to Matt Ryan, who's had yeah. a ton of success yeah. in his career. Uh, all right, next hot route here. Manny and Alex Boone and Declan. Um, the world discovered yesterday that Ben Roethlisberger has blocked everyone who ever said anything about him on Twitter and other <laughs> random people as well. Not only is that hilarious and petty, um, but like... Why is it petty, though? But also, why is it petty? Because I I said one bad thing about you being, I don't know, accused of rape and stuff, and then you're blocking me on Twitter. Like, oh, sorry, did I do something that? (laughs) Did I do something Uh, wrong? He went the Tim Brewster route, just blocking everybody that said anything bad about him. Uh, Yeah, so clearly some PR firm or something looked up his name, and then anyone who said anything about him, they just blocked. So I I think it's funny that everyone's finally discovering this, because who would care what he was saying on Twitter anyway? So if you guys could block out one player from being mentioned on TV broadcasts, shows, reporting, and so forth, who would you love to never hear about ever again? Alex, why don't you begin? Man, I don't know about this. I think that... I don't really mind. Can, can I pick somebody that I would like to not maybe, I don't know, skip me, pass me on this one. Okay, we're going to come back to you. Manny, what's your answer? <laughs> this one was really easy for me. Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yeah. I never want to hear about Johnny Manziel yeah. ever, ever, yeah. ever again. Alex, you could do from the past if Johnny you want. Manziel. It doesn't have to be recent. Yeah, I, I just, it, it's every time he gets mentioned now, and it's not, he doesn't get mentioned as much for anymore. For a while, lately, though. But for a while, like, it was every day. We're, you know, the XFL's coming back. Is Johnny Manziel going to play in the XFL? <laughs> the AAF is coming. Hell, maybe he can play in the AAF. Maybe Johnny Benzel, CFL, high on an inflatable swan. Yeah, and and then you see him at you know <laughs> you see him at Heisman. What? You, yeah, you, you, that was a there was a picture of Johnny Manziel high oh, and man. drunk on a inflatable swan. Well, he was <laughs> no big deal. He was he was at a Heisman <laughs> ceremony a couple. Of, I think it was when Lamar Jackson won the Heisman a couple of years ago, and Manziel was there as one of the former winners and yeah. everything. And you could just his eyes were bloodshot. He was just. You know, yeah. he was sweating yeah. in the face. Yeah. He just, he just looks like, like a Texas A.M. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's just, not a frat party. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I'm All just right. tired of Manziel. I got the best one, by the way. All right. Go ahead. I am sick of hearing about the LeBron James versus MJ argument. <laughs> For the love of God, it's never going to be verified or clarified. Can we please stop talking about it? Like, because every old person is always going to be like, dude, MJ, because they just beat up on MJ all the time. And MJ took it. And then like, LeBron wouldn't be able to hang with that. And I'm just so sick of hearing about it. Like, it, I got it. We got it. Those two playing each other would be the greatest one-on-one ever. If they did it, I would buy a ticket myself to go. Absolutely. But I just don't want to hear about it anymore. All right, that's a good answer. Yeah, Not football-related, yeah. but I appreciate it. Uh, Declan? Uh, I'm sorry. I would totally block Aaron Rodgers. I'm sick of everyone always talking about Aaron Rodgers. I hate the State Farm commercials. I hate 
the how the commentators love talking about him. No, uh, Cowers pointed out that he's been washed for the last, you know, this worst. this season. I love seeing that. <laughs> but, <Worst. laughs> but he said worst. I'm so sick of him. Everything is about Rodgers. The discount double check. The State Farm. It's too much. Go away. Go away, dude. Now they got Pat Mahomes and, in it too. And it's like this whole family dynamic that's always brought up, and things with Olivia Munn and Danica yeah. Pat. It's just like, dude, just go away. I'm so sick of you. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with Jameis Winston. That I yeah. am uh. very much tired of hearing. Like, well, what if? See, if all he needs to do is just, and not he could, he team. could definitely, right? Not throw it to the other team 25 times. If this was 28, if actually. This was at 28. <laughs> oh yeah, the three picks on Saturday. If. Uh, if this was anybody else who was not a number one overall pick, who all the analysts didn't slobber over like crazy and then uh, refused to walk it back and yeah. admit they were wrong, if this right. was anyone else, if this was Kirk Cousins, they'd be like, oh, oh, my God. oh this guy is so gone. No way they're mm-hmm. going to sign him. But with Winston, they're like, well, he was a number one pick, and I did write that he's going to be the best quarterback of all time in my draft analysis a few years ago. So, did you? Uh, give him time. Give him time. Give well, him that's, time. that's what everybody said. And they forgot that he's a dirtbag, and that was the problem. Uh, and uh, so stop, you know, and just stop yeah. talking about the guy as if he's anything more than like a number one pick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just throws it to their team all the time and then gets 400 yards after you're losing by 21. And then right. says that he's not going to play for the franchise tag. <clears throat> okay, good. Yeah, sure. You are. <laughs> all right, our next, um, our, our next hot route here. Doug Marone yes. said that he is truly sorry for letting everyone down in Jacksonville. And Manny, I just hate to see it. You know, you just, you just I really hate thought to of see you it. when you I saw truly, that story truly yesterday. sorry. You just truly. hate to see it. Yeah, and he's oh, truly God. sorry. And so sorry. I am truly sorry that happened to poor Doug. Uh, I want you guys to take one team that you were wrong about this year and issue them an apology. So either you doubted them and they're good, or you thought that they were going to be good and uh, you are going to apologize sarcastically for thinking that they would be good. Um, Alex, do you want to start maybe sure. with your hometown? I'm just okay. suggesting. I'm, I'm glad you jumped on that before I did because I, I, I'm going to say Cleveland. I'm so sorry. I think we all thought they were going to be good. I think everybody owes this, this city an apology, okay? Because everybody was like, there is no way they're not going to the playoffs. No way. Like, dude, they could fall asleep and win that many games to get them there. And for some reason, you've had more players suspended, more penalties. You got one player suspended indefinitely. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there, but the fact that you continue to look at Freddie Kitchens and go, this is our guy for the future, is almost pathetic to me. It's almost sad. If I were a fan, I'd be down in Berea right now like, dude, I want my money back. I want all my money back. I, you can keep your jersey until you get rid of everybody. I'm done. I'm good. Because you know what? This is what happens when you put too much fire in a room. It just explodes itself. And it just it, it can't be contained. You cannot hit, call enough fire trucks to put out this fire. And it's driving me nuts because... God, they wanted to give you the Lombardi. They almost wrote the Browns' name on it. Like They were like, dude, finally, this trophy is going to go to a city that deserves it. And you ruined it. Here, hold my beer, guys. Hold my beer. I got this. Dude, terrible. God. All right, Manny, issue your apology. I'd like to apologize to uh, Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, and the Baltimore Ravens for, well, to actually kind of play off of Boone's um, answer. I'd like to apologize to the Ravens and quite frankly, the Pittsburgh Steelers for thinking that the Cleveland Browns would finish ahead of them in the standings. <laughs> that's good. Yep, that's but, a, good. but especially Baltimore because yeah. 
I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson. I thought he would be good. I thought it would take some time. You were a doubter, though. I I was a little bit worried about, you know, how good of a passer he was going to be and if he was going to take this next step this quickly. You kept saying, play him at running back. (laughs) Put him at tight end. He should be a wide receiver, (laughs) you know. Thanks, Bill Polian. Um, But but no, I, I... I've always sort of, sort of rooted for Lamar Jackson, but I did not think that they were going to be this fantastic this year. And I thought the Browns would win the a- the AFC North this year. So I was dead wrong about that. So I apologize to the Ravens especially. All right. Good job, Manny. Uh, Declan, apologize to yeah, someone. Yeah, I would like to apologize to the Buffalo Bills. Um, I did not think this team would be very good this year. I know they had a decent defense last year. I'm not a big believer in Josh Allen, but I think they've schemed up enough around him to be successful. He leads this leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks. He has five game winning drives this season. You know, I don't know if they're going to make a deep run in the AFC playoffs, but I am pleasantly surprised that the Buffalo Bills are uh, are, are relevant and going to be in the playoffs this year. I've got a couple, but I think I want to apologize. I have another one too. Okay. Uh, I think I want to apologize sarcastically to the Atlanta Falcons. Far be it for me to think that you would turn around your horrific, horrendous defense that you told everyone in the offseason, oh, it was just because of injuries last year, not because our coach is a buffoon. And I want to apologize for Arthur Blank for continuing to have this man as your head coach. And, and you go through offensive coordinators, even though you have the Shanahan system that works perfectly. Then you go to Dirk Cutter, who runs a different system last year. And, oh, I thought you might correct your mistake. So I apologize for ever thinking, Atlanta Falcons, that you could take advantage of Jameis Winston's 600 interceptions and Carolina playing some guy I never heard of at quarterback for most of the year. I thought you might be able to take advantage, but you didn't. And I apologize for that. You have one more, Alex? Yeah, if uh, Dallas doesn't get in, I wanted to apologize to the Dallas fans because God knows that that's another community that is like, yo, we are all about the football. And they were another team that just, dude, I don't I don't even want to. I mean, you call the same play twice. You got your own old line turning around like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Brand new head. Like, just, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. It's not going to change for a long time, so get used to it. I'm sorry. All right, everybody. Jason Garrett, clap. Good job. Good job on that one, guys. Good job look, on that one. Look to the side. Pull your mic away a little bit and spin. spin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next hot route here. RG3 is going to play for the Ravens on Sunday. Hey, good for him. Yeah, that's the RG3 going is still in the league. <laughs> and uh, I want you guys to give me a quarterback who turned out to be a bust that you wished had just hung around longer like RG3 so he could maybe someday get another shot because a lot of the draft busts, they end up just out of the league. Pretty quickly, they got their money, and they're like, nah, I'm not going to go ahead and be a backup. Screw that. I'm a first-round pick. So, uh, Manny, you want to start with this one? A bust that you wish had just given it the old college try. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with Vince Young. Yeah, I like that one. Vince Young was so good at Texas, and we all remember Vince Young for that. Probably the greatest performance in the history of college football by one player in that Rose Bowl against USC where he basically put the Longhorns on his back and beat, you know, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and Lindell White and that great USC team. And All those guys who drove brand new SUVs to yeah. the stadium that day? <laughs> SUVs and Ferraris and all that stuff. Um, no big deal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and Vince Young, well, the other part of this too is, you know, Vince Young, unfortunately, his first head coach in the NFL was Jeff Fisher, which I'm sure didn't really do him a whole lot of favors, but he was good as a rookie. He was the offensive yeah. rookie of the year. Yeah. And you thought, okay, this guy is going to be special. And then, 
you know, some injuries happened and, you know, he wasn't the most focused quarterback, I think, to, to take that next step. But I wish he would have hung around long enough to maybe get a second shot or at least just hang around like RG3 has as a backup. And if he gets an opportunity to start, he can maybe sort of redeem himself. Alex, what do you think? I'm going to say one, and it's going to piss off Manny, I think. I'm going to say Johnny Manziel. Yeah, no, I think that's a good answer, though. I, if he had I, just got is. on the straight and narrow, he sure. would have gotten yeah. no another shot. And that's I what it's. I wanted to see him get on the straight and narrow because I think that he was a dynamic player, and you know, you never want to see somebody go down like that, but the things that that kid could have done in this league would have been really exciting to watch, and it's a shame because, you know what, he just didn't care enough. you know. And, and when you look at issues like that, it's just because they didn't care enough about himself, and that's a shame. Declan? All right, so this one's kind of wild. I might have told you about my obsession with this player beforehand. But I was a humongous fan of Kevin Cobb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Cobb no, in I Philly. No way. Were you really? Humongous That's fan That's the first of Kevin time Cobb. that sentence oh, has ever been, been spoken in history. <laughs> that is the first time I have heard Kevin Cobb's name in yeah. like five years. Um, That's the first time someone's quick, ever said they're a fan of him. Real <laughs> quick Kevin Cobb story. Yeah. The uh, Bills signed him to compete for a starting job with E.J. Manuel in E.J. Yep. Manuel's so, first yeah. year. Yep. And Cobb, in part, lost the job because he slipped on a mat walking out to the field and injured himself. Oh, he was a walking out. And he like had to miss a game yeah. because he slipped on a mat. Uh, I was a huge fan of his, so when... Was it was it the Vic year that he went off? You know, both him and Cobb were getting time at quarterback. Andy Reid was dips, uh, going back and forth, and then when he went to Arizona, I was like, "Oh, this is it!" I even I drafted in fantasy football. His I had an explicitive that was included in my fantasy football name involving Cobb. I thought he was going to ball out in Arizona, um, and that just did not happen. And I have no I have no idea why I had such a obsession with him, but I just thought he was going to be so good, and. He got like concussed a yeah, bajillion times, yeah. and and that cost him his career. And I always wished he uh, could have stayed could have stayed healthy because I do think he had he had the tools to be a good quarterback. He just couldn't stay healthy. I'm gonna go with Jake Locker. Uh, oh wow, Jake yeah. Locker quit football Washington. early, and I remember they put up uh, on TV one of those things where it shows a body, and then they had like lines pointing to all the injuries, and it was every part of his body that Jake Locker had gotten hurt. I, he had a big heart though; like he played yeah. hard, and he would win games, even though he wasn't very accurate. He he was, I think, growing a little bit as a quarterback when he got hurt, and then it was just too much, and he wasn't able to to carry on, and so that's part of it. I. I it wasn't that he quit or coked himself out of the league like Manziel, but I just wish that injuries hadn't caught up to him. Another guy that just popped up in my head was Tim Couch, too. I mean, he got he yeah, started out. Yeah, he really out wasn't a, a backup. He started out and he got Green a Bay terrible for a year. Yeah, I think Packers like in 06, yeah. maybe something like that. But I mean, he walked into a terrible situation with the expansion Browns in 99. Oh, yeah. There was just nothing there to work with. And he Bad started coaching. getting it together when they had that good team that yep. went to the playoffs, and then he got hurt. Got hurt, and then and that was the Kelly, Kelly Holcomb, Holcomb year. Yeah, right. So. All right, I were a final hot route of the day, and then I hear that there could be a ghost of playoff Ooh. presence on the way. <laughs> uh Former Packer T.J. Lang, maybe you know him, Alex, uh, said the Vikings are going nowhere with the current state of the offensive line. And that is, um, with a few words redacted from Twitter, from how he thought the Vikings' offensive line played the other night. And after watching the tape back, I do not disagree with that. Um, You get pressure on half the snaps with four-man rushes every time. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I want you guys to give me the offensive linemen over the past 20 years. Alex, you can't say yourself. 
I would never. Would be good enough to change this team's playoff future. So this lineman, so good that he alone could change the Vikings' trajectory. Tell me who it is, Alex. Olin Krutz. Do you guys remember who Olin Krutz oh, was? Yeah, oh, follow yeah. Follow him on Twitter. He follows me. Yeah. <laughs> Olin Krutz, or uh, I'm trying to think of who is the center. Um, Garza. I mean, both of those guys. Roberto Garza? Roberto Garza. They were both road graders, dude. Kevin Mawise, those guys. Man. Those guys, they used to love just going in and doing what they had to do and getting the hell out of there. I used to talk to those guys. Kevin Mawai came to us at the camp that I was there. That's right. And so he would sit in the back of the room with me, and we would talk a whole lot. And it, it was he was great. He was great for our room. He had great insights. He was fun to be around. He knew when the pressure was on. Guys like that, you can't put a price tag on people like that. And you talk about like an Olin Krutz, a guy who was always in the weight room, always trying to get the younger guys up with him, always trying to be on the field, being a leader. I mean, the biggest problem right now is nobody's grabbing the bull by the horns. And no one's like, hey, listen, I'm going this way, and if you're not with me, then you need to get the hell off this ship. <laughs> it's like everybody's kind of in different par- – you know, like even when they pass that, they're never really in sync anymore. Like they're all on different levels, and it looks kind of sloppy, and you're like, man, I don't know, here comes a twist again because it's just going to get home. It's so silly. And, you know, a guy <laughs> like Olin Krutz that would sit in the middle – He'd have kicked his own teammate in the face had he given something like that up. I remember talking to guys that played with those guys, and they were like, dude, mistakes don't happen. I was like, believe me, I know. I got a center in Jonathan Goodwin that doesn't let a mistake happen. They're like, no, dude, this guy will fight you in the shower (laughs) after the game. He does not care. If you screw up, you're getting punched in the side of the head. I'm like, oh, really? They're like, yeah, dude, you need to come here. I'm like, I'll try to. I will try. But it's like you talk to these guys, and they just – the way that the aura of their offensive line was was just incredible. Uh, Manny? Two guys came to mind immediately when I first saw this question, Collar. And uh, they're both former Vikings offensive linemen. Steve Hutchinson and Matt Burke. Hutch. And when you look at the weakness of this Vikings offensive line right now, it's the interior guys. It's it's Garrett Bradbury struggling as a rookie. It's Pat Elfline playing essentially a new position at left guard. Well, there you go. Steve Hutchinson, you put him at left guard. You put Matt Burke at center. I think your offensive line is in much, much better shape, and you're not worried about being overpowered by Kenny Clark and Akeem Hicks and guys like that that you're facing in your own damn division. I would say Joe Thomas. It's a pretty easy one, but I think Joe yeah. Thomas would come in and, and make things lighter. Wasn't there a, there was a steam about him coming here? Like, what, was that 2016 I, or 15? I, I think this is why Joe Thomas follows me on Twitter, is that I was tweeting about the Vikings trading for him. Yeah. And was it did, true? Um, no, but no. I mean, I, I wasn't reporting it. I was just saying, like, do it, do my it. God. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that that gets you into the playoffs. That that one player could have made the difference. But I got the impression that Joe didn't want to leave Cleveland, even though they were awful. But he just <laughs> wanted to kind of make sure he was a Cleveland Brown for life, and that was that. And I can respect that. Uh, I will go with Jonathan Ogden. Yeah, uh, I, I know that the interior is the issue, and my other choice was going to be, um, you know, potentially Will Shields that you know could be the, the powerful guy there, or, or maybe even Willie Rolfe, but he's more of a '90s guy. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Ogden, you are not getting any pressure off the edge. Like it's just <laughs> that's it. That, that's the end of the story. So when Zadarius Smith lines up outside, he's just taken care of. So he's going to have to be inside, and then you know that he's going to have to be inside, and you can just focus on that and not worry about what's going on uh, in the blind side. And even though Kirk Cousins does struggle at times with the interior pressure, an elite left tackle has such a massive impact. I would put quarterback number one for, for value of offensive players, 
and then left tackle probably number two. Yeah. And we've seen that throughout the years here when the Vikings have not had a star left tackle, how difficult it is, and especially when your quarterback can't really like run. Right. At all. Or move. <laughs> Not even a, really a little. <laughs> or flinch. <laughs> I, I, I was looking it up because I was curious. Like, what were Kirk Cousins' combine results? And he ran a 4940 at 215 pounds. <laughs> I ran a 4940. Z- Z- Smith weighs 270 pounds. He ran a 48. So <laughs> that just kind of tells you a little bit about the athleticism at the quarterback position. So. The, the interesting thing with Cousins, I don't know if you've seen this, but he was on Dan Patrick's show, I think, earlier this year or like last year, and Dan Patrick had him read over his draft, his pre-draft analysis that people were making on him, and yeah. he was reading out everything, and I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, yep, that's oh, yeah, it's that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, if you look at that's NFL.com's right. Lance from what Lance Zierlein yeah. wrote, it's like spot on. Yeah, really, hundred percent. I mean, they talk about when he gets pressure and what happens, and I think there's a mention of like big games and <laughs> th- you know, it's like, someone well, got it right. Not a whole lot has changed. Yeah. Usually they do. Sometimes there's epic mistakes like Stephon Diggs, where um, I remember I wrote this last week about the 2015 draft, and they were like, "Oh, he's got to be only a slot receiver." Like. Well, missed on that one. Whoops. But a lot of times, they're usually spot on. Manny, thank you for your time. Yeah, it's fun. You'll be on with uh, me and Judd later on uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami that is not even close to that, except for Judd. Um, <laughs> all right, we will return. I think a ghost is uh, potentially going to haunt, a, uh, haunt us. The ghost of playoff present. And I'm going to throw this out there, and you might be mad at me, but the Vikings could potentially have a route to the NFC Championship that is very reasonable. Yeah, don't don't yell, Easy. don't crash your car, don't get mad. That's just what the ghost of playoff present is going to tell us when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, you listen to Purple Daily on. Uh, right. Anyway, it's almost like we just talk about it, and whatever we come up with is what we think. Anyhow, um, so here's what it is though: if you root hard with all of your heart for the Seattle Seahawks to beat the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers to beat the Detroit Lions, then you have this path. You go to Seattle first and then to Green Bay next. And in my mind, Alex, the ghost of playoff uh, present is going to tell us that this is the only shot in this ever-loving world that you have is going to Seattle first. Because that Seattle team, as cool as Marshawn Lynch is, and I am looking forward to seeing him play football again, they have their two starting running backs out. They have Dwayne Brown is going to be playing right after surgery. Uh, Defensive players hurt. Jadavion Clowney has missed the second half of the season largely, except, of course, the one Vikings game. They are 26th in yards per play allowed. Seattle has one great player and then a bunch of guys who, if they didn't have that one great player, would be talking about a 6-10 and 10 season is the way I look at it. And the Vikings are much, much better from top to bottom. That is the game that you desperately need for Seattle to beat San Francisco. I agree, but I don't agree with what you just said about Beast Mode being just another guy. I think when you plug him into this team, for whatever reason, maybe it's because he was there and that's where he became Beast Mode, it's like this team transforms themselves, dude. It's crazy. It's like they're transformers. Like they just, they, they. I can't explain to you, but when he runs out of that tunnel, you don't know what an earthquake is until you're standing on the sideline and he runs out of that tunnel, and you're like, "Yep, that's an earthquake." That feels really creepy. It's just something about the way he runs, and 
the way he loves to run through people. He is the ultimate neck roll. Like, if we could get him on a show, now that would be incredible. <laughs> but there's something... I don't think that, he really does interviews. No, he is. I don't get that impression. Not at all. Which is another great thing about Like, this dude is just so genuine. He brings his team... I, I think if there is a team, yeah you're going to want to go through Seattle. And the dude is so realistic, too, right? Like, the Packers beating the Lions, that, if that doesn't happen, there's problems. Seattle beating San Fran with this new resurgence and that game being in Seattle and being Sunday night football, it could happen. That could be the road it goes down. And then you're right. You, going to Green Bay, you know I've been a fan of that for a long time. I think that that game is – that's – like, people are like, dude, Green Bay controlling it. Yeah, I, for a while I was on it, and then I was like, wait a minute. Am I really on that train? Like, other than the weather, do I really want to believe in that? No, because I've gone up there and beat them in their own stadium. I beat them in January. I beat them in September. They can be had in their own stadium. Like, that game is not any different than any other, anywhere else other than it's going to be cold. So, and when you talk about the Vikings, we can practice for the cold because we're in the north. So, it's, you know, that's a game you want to get to. Get to Green Bay and Green Bay, and, and yeah, you can have your best chances. And it sounds weird since Green Bay just kind of whooped you. No, it doesn't. Especially your offensive line. But they were in both of those games that they played against Green Bay right there, yeah. and it's very difficult to beat a team three times. You've had experience with that, right? <sighs> Playing Seattle three times in a season before. I mean, it's, it's really, really difficult to beat a team three times in a row, and you've seen what went wrong, and you can change what went wrong, and, and try to work around some of the issues on the offensive line, of course you would not be favored in going to Lambeau, but you much rather go to Lambeau than having a different path, which could be going to New Orleans first, and then to San Francisco, and then, yeah, all right, sure. I, that's going to be pretty darn tough, because then yeah. you're talking about probably the strongest roster in the league with an all-time great quarterback playing well who's lost one time in the playoffs at the Superdome, and it took the worst call ever. Non-call. Non-call, right, yes, non-call. One of the worst botched jobs I've ever seen by referees. That's what it took to beat Drew Brees in the Superdome. Otherwise, he would be 8-0 there. That is not the place you want to go. Their defense is third in the league in sacks. Good luck with that one, Vikings offensive line. And then San Francisco, they're number one in point differential. They've put up 453 points this year, which is second in the NFL. And the only team that has more is the Baltimore Ravens. So number one in the NFC. You're going to go with a defense that sometimes struggles against the pass to San Francisco and beat them to go to the NFC Championship game? I just can't see that route happening. So you have to become, as weird as it feels, the biggest Seattle Seahawks fan of all time. Here's my question. Here's my question. Here's my question. And okay. this is I say this to say this. With the defense right now that's shown that if you just beat on them a little bit, the run can be had, do you want to go to Seattle, or would you rather maybe have your way with maybe a San Francisco offense that maybe has to rely on a committee of guys that show up and a quarterback who, even though people are down on, I still believe is a really good quarterback, but has the same offensive line issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sometimes when you play a team that's like yours, it's kind of easier for you because you're like, I see this every day. We know how to stop this. We get this. Like This is, this team can be had. We just have to show up and actually execute, and we could do this. Yeah, it's going to be on the road. It's going to be tough. Playing the best team in the NFC, it's going to be tough. But, you know, people are – the way that people are talking about the oh, they're out, dude, they're in the playoffs. You have to give them a ton of respect. They've earned the right to say that they're going to the playoffs. And they did it with two weeks left in the season. So, yeah, they, they get there just due. But when you're talking about teams, how you match up, Drew Brees in New Orleans will always scare me. Just because the way that the playoffs went and that non botch call, like it's just 
I don't know if I'd ever want to play there against him in the playoffs again because I don't know how the refs are going to play it, and you just you don't want to do that. So if you're looking around, yeah, I don't know if I want to go to Seattle with Beast Mode back because it's shown that if you just beat on this defensive line a little bit, the runs are there. But then again, you're like, man, Green Bay looks great because that's two games we just didn't execute. They just didn't execute in mm-hmm. the game. That, that is so. Those are the games where you're watching them and you just want to strangle the guy sitting next to you. You're like, dude... We just threw this game away. Like You just gave them two games. Those games could easily be fixable. Yeah, you're going to have to have the offensive line bolster up a little bit, but that's what they do. That's what the good offensive lines do in the playoffs. They show up and they take care of their quarterback. So, dude, a lot of these games are going to be really, really tough, but they could be won. The one game that scares me will always be Drew Brees down in the just because of the way that they didn't get in and the way that they botched that call. I just don't know what the refs are going to do this year for them. And that's who you're facing if Green Bay wins against the Lions and San Francisco wins against Seattle. Then you go to it? New Orleans. Yep, that's that's, it? that's okay. the only games that you have to focus so on. What's with the Panthers then? What, what? How does that affect the outcome? Like they said something like if the Panthers win, then they have to go oh, to against Green- the against the Saints. Well, let's dial up the old playoff machine and, and get our now. get our ghost of playoff present on. Uh, yeah, the, you can't uh, just the, have the us working. Machine. You got to yeah. work a little bit that's, too. If that's you come right. Here. That's right. Ghost. <laughs> what are you even doing? Come um, on. Okay, so let me plug this in. Let's say the Saints lose and we get a San Francisco win and we get a Green Bay win. Okay, you're still going to play New Orleans if the Saints win or lose in that case. So it doesn't matter. Uh, so the Panthers won't have anything to do with it. Thank you, Ghost. It's all about that Sunday night game, San Francisco and Seattle. So after you have not watched the uh, Vikings play Sean Mannion for three quarters on Sunday, you will be watching what happens on Sunday night football because that, that determines everything. And if Green Bay beats the Detroit Lions, then they get uh, probably the two seed. So they, you know, they end up... Uh, well, let's see here. No, wait, hold on, hang yeah. on. Yeah, they, win, they no, get the two seed. No, that's right. Because they'll win the they'll win the North and they'll beat out yes. the, the Cowboys or and then they'll also beat out. Um, yeah, and and that's how yeah. different things are on that Sunday night game because if San Francisco wins, then your route becomes New Orleans and San Francisco, and yeah. if Seattle wins, then your route is not that hard. And uh, now I know you brought up that San Francisco. You know, it does have its problems, as every NFL team does. That's why they have a salary cap, so everybody's right. got problems. Um, otherwise, it'd be like the 80s 49ers, and one team would win all the time. Um, but let's not talk about Easy. the Patriots. Easy they they cheat, though, and have Brady. <laughs> um, but uh, the, here's the difference in score differential between the 49ers and Seahawks. Plus 164 for the 49ers, plus 12 for the Seahawks. The Seahawks' score differential is lower than the Bucks. I mean, it's lower than the Eagles. It's lower than the Rams. Like They have been the definition of a mediocre team that has a great quarterback who usually wins games at the end, but they are not really beating their opponents by that much. And nothing about them on paper says, wow, watch out for this team. It's a tough place to play, but they've been beaten there by a couple of teams this year that makes it a lot less scary. They've got a bunch of people injured. I would I would pick... Uh, going to Seattle a thousand times over going to New Orleans. So now here's my question: Who do you think is going to win, Seattle or San Fran? <sighs> I think. How do you see I it happening? See, I mean, San Francisco's got to go there, but I think San Francisco, and I'll tell you why: is Kyle Shanahan. I have started to think that Kyle Shanahan might be the best non-John Harbaugh or Bill Belichick coach in the NFL. 
that his offensive designs are absolutely incredible. The use of the fullback, which we all endorse here, mm-hmm. uh, the use of the tight end, getting Emmanuel Sanders involved, and he's a guy with his quarterback where it has to be like the Vikings, where you just kind of have to lay everything out perfectly for the guy to make things happen, and usually Kyle Shanahan finds a way uh, by being very creative, and then their defensive coaching staff is obviously excellent too. And that's the big difference between those two teams, the pure defense. talent on yeah. defense. Agreed. They haven't been as good lately, but the talent there is enough to ruin your game plan, starting with Nick Bosa. The talent on Seattle on defense is just not that great these days. Yeah, it hasn't been showing up. And a lot of it's because Davian's been hurt. And, dude, you know, the one thing about San Fran is they don't have to blitz you to get to you. You know, they can drop eight and they could still get home within a matter of a second like they're just they have Bosa on one side at, at times they could have d ford on the other then you put in like a deforest buckner and a eric armstead a guy who's just showing up but i mean dude those those guys could wreak havoc at any time and you're right the defense is what gets you to that game you know as an offensive player we always used to say offense sells tickets defense wins championships and it's true because you're gonna need the most stout defense to stop the best quarterback and that's how it ends up happening all right um Thank you to the ghosts for visiting us great. today. Really appreciate their insight. Uh, let's let's talk about this though, because week seventeen is going to be meaningless. So I'm already I'm already on let's to on. Love it. Seattle or or wherever. Um, the thing that was most concerning to me about Green Bay and the way that they beat the Vikings after I watched the tape was that Green Bay never blitzed. They didn't have yeah. to. They put five or six guys up near the line of scrimmage, and then you didn't know who was coming or where they were coming from or what they were going to do once the snap was taken. And there were situations where Cousins could have gotten rid of the ball earlier, could have used his safety blanket, Kyle Rudolph, but he seemed to have that sort of moment of hesitation that people would remember really well from when he played against New England last year, where New England stood up a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage, and he took the snap and didn't seem to know who was going to drop and who was going to... To, to rush and, and and that was a, a big issue for him and I wonder if we see that copied when we go into the playoffs the teams will look at what Green Bay did and say you know what if we do that same thing if we focus on rushing four here against Cousins and and if we can get to him at all then it's going to be a major problem 100% it's a copycat league teams are they're dissecting everything. Oh, look how he rushed on the A-gap. See how he starts on the B and then goes, ah, that's ingenious. We've all seen it before. It's When you're looking at this, everybody wants to get the 5-1-on-1s. We see it all the time. The hand goes up, a fist goes up. You'll hear someone say it, 5-0, po-po. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that be said. But it's when you do that, my biggest problem has always been if you don't have the offensive line to go 5-0, why do you, why do you play their silly game? Why do you play into the defense's hand? And it's... You know, you could do a multitude of things. You could slide past the middle guy because for for whatever reason, the guy standing over the center doesn't really want to rush. He just wants to occupy the space of the center. And what that does too is it stops him from kicking back because once you have looked me in the eyes, and not only that, once you've taken a step towards me, you've become the biggest threat to me. So if I if you step to me, I'm gonna stop backing up because I'm not gonna let you just take a full head of steam right into me while I'm going backwards. Like eventually, I have to draw a line in the sand and say, now you got to beat me. But when you're the center, you're not really used to one-on-one pass rushes a lot because normally you have a guard to help you, right? Yeah. Like that's why yep. you'll see the guard throw a hand. Like I, that's why that's why my centers always love me because I'm so long that I would always throw a hand regardless, and it's just so easy and it would kind of balance me out because I kick so fast. You throw it out there, they love it. But when you go five zero, you're on your own. So that dude has a three way to go, and those linebackers now they're getting really sneaky, right? Like you get a bar up there, and you're like, dude, good luck. All right, I'm just, I'm just letting you know you're not built for this, but good luck. 
So instead of doing that, why do you do that? Slide the line still. Let the running back block him. Do whatever you got to do. Like you got to stop because now you're all on different levels, and now the twist games become a big deal. And now everybody from here to Kingdom Come are going to be like, listen, we're just going to get three guys on one side, and we're going to have two loopers, one rapper. We're going to have the tackle on the other side all by himself naturally. Like, dude, you're breaking down football, and it's like, bro, they could hit you with a million things right now. Like, you just if you go out there and you say, hey, listen. Anything exotic, anything that involves the quarterback in the backfield, like, dude, I'm not sure who's coming and who's going, automatically turns to a slide somewhere. Like, you got to find your four bigs, you got to find your three bigs, however you're going to do it, but you, you got to get on the same page because those are the simple things that teams beat you with, right? Like, a simple twist game getting home, that's silly. That's laziness, in my opinion. There was never really a time that I was like, you know what, we, we're not going to pass this off. Like, that's like to let a team come back like that and get you, dude, they, they do that in warm-ups. Like, it, you need them to throw some really exotic things out there to get you. It just has become clear that the teams with talent on the defensive side, the teams that know what they're doing, know exactly who to attack on this offensive line. They know that Elf Line and Bradbury and pass protection, if it's got to be a straight drop back, that you can beat them. And we see things, you mentioned um, the you know the twists and stunts and passing those off, but even things that you could see even easier without even going back and looking through the tape or playing in the NFL, like how about the ball being snapped and nobody moving? And, That's bad. I mean, how about bad. fumbled snaps repeatedly? It didn't happen on Monday night, but throughout this season. And, with, I mean, Bradbury throughout the year, I thought, started to improve and improve. And it might have actually just been that he didn't face top players at that position because the other night he played about as poorly as you could play in pass protection and got eaten alive. And when they took Zadarius Smith and ran him right at Bradbury and he just went right through him, it's yeah. like, okay, someone's copying that in the playoffs. At some point, you will be seeing that again, and it's going to continue to be a problem. You're going to see a lot of that. And you start to think about teams like San Fran that have two Two really tall, tall defensive tackles. I mean, them both dudes are like six eight. Yeah, Buckner's and they, really tall. Yep. They love to use their hands. That's the one weakness of a center. Number one, you have one hand on the ball at all times. So you're kind of defenseless, right? So you start lining guys up on that snap hand against a rookie center, and all of a sudden they're like, dude, which way am I going? Am I gonna smack you with your smack hand or am I gonna come across your face and like you just open up a world to these guys that you didn't have to before. And that's why you know, in games when you like guys would be like, hey man, high alert, here comes the twist game. Like guys that didn't respond to that, it pissed me off because it was like, dude, listen, we could shut this down for the next week. Shut down a couple twists and it's over. They'll, they won't do it anymore because they know they're just wasting their time. If you shut down three twists, they will not do it the rest of the game because they're like, dude, number one, it's not going to get home. Number two, we're wasting our time. And number three, we have a better chance to get a sack if we just rush around the edges. So stop twisting them. And then all of a sudden, you've made your offensive line's life easier. Like people, it's like, Dude, now we can just slide and not have to worry about where people are going. But in order to do that, you have to go out and get on the same page and expect everything this next couple weeks. Smack you with my smack hand is my Bro. rap album. Definitely definitely my rap album. Uh, before we wrap up for today, Alex, something spooky has happened. Please, oh my God. the ghosts. Uh, today at San Francisco 49ers practice, a hawk came and landed in a tree. And just sat there for a little while, watching 49ers practice, and then flew off. What does it mean about 49ers Seahawks? Very spooky. Mm. I'll tell you what, man. You can never trust those Seahawks. I know. Harbaugh, yeah. Harbaugh never did. Maybe it has. Uh, maybe maybe it's outfitted with video cameras and, and things like that. Maybe it's a drone hawk. 
I got some funny stories about like when we used to go up into Seattle about how like the meetings would go. It was, I could not tell you how hysterical they were. Like you'd walk into the room and everyone would be like, shh, whatever we say, it's the opposite. We know this room is bugged. <laughs> you'd be like, no way. And they'd be in there be like, we're going to run power. We're not. We're going to run zone. No, we're not. Like it was just like the funny. You'd be like, oh my God, this dude's for real right were, now. Were they this just overly like, paranoid or was that a real thing? Did they think the Seattle Seahawks were similar to the Patriots? Funny you say that because Greg Roman's number one line was, we're paranoid about being paranoid. And, it, <laughs> and they were, dude. They they were to a T and it was great. It was made fun though. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, um, peak, peak paranoia for coaches. Uh, happened in 2016 when Mike Zimmer would not acknowledge whether Sam Bradford or Sean Hill was going to start. And we were like, really? For, we- for week two? Like, really? I mean, you just trade a first-round pick for him. How long are you going to hold them? Hold them out? You gonna- yeah, we all laughed at that, too. Like- I'm not going to lie, Kyle. We were like, dude, they really believe this, too. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. I didn't oh, okay. I thought you guys no, did. zero percent. No. Maybe it was just Chris Tomlinson. Not, I mean, it's not even slightly believed that he was going to play. We, we interviewed Mike McCarthy on the conference call, and he's like, yeah, they're definitely playing Bradford. And we're like, even they know. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a little bit of doubt for it's, a minute there. There was. Yeah, so the other day they put Alexander Madison out in practice on Friday and had him limp through a couple of drills so they could yeah. list him questionable. We're like, you guys really doing this right now? Uh, okay, yeah, he looks great. Like yeah, this looks, week, too, Looks huh? like he's going to run over some people. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I mean, you got Delvin Cook limited on the um, on the injury report because he's definitely not playing this right. week. He's going to show up this week. That's, the, uh, that's the, a big one. The Bears will get out there. Oh, dang! <laughs> <laughs> we thought Dalvin was going, oh my God. What, what do we do against Sean Well, Manning? They might, though, because they drafted Mr. Trubisky. Have you seen Ryan's face when they show, Ryan Pace, when they show him on TV? He just looks so dumb. He's like, God, this Pat Mahomes thing, i got to talk about it again. Oh, did, my God. Did you see Mahomes count the number <laughs> of... Tra- yeah, that was great. <laughs> I that was loved great. it. I, I appreciate the pettiness. Uh, I Alex, do, too. Uh, always fun, as always. Hopefully, no real life ghosts haunt you and uh, we will get back together and when we do on Tuesday it will be a playoff week so excited I hope you're excited I don't feel your energy yet are you serious are you serious we need to get you up a little bit we gotta go we gotta go are you having this this view was worth a hike right and it's a good way to stay on top of my health yes I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.